0: Pam Ochoa, I have a question from a listener of the podcast today. Yes, 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 yes. This is from Amanda. She's going to start us off and kind of guide us through this entire episode. So um, I know one thing that we were both excited to do is, you know, we, we do this podcast mainly to kind of share the good news, share what we're doing, because we believe that people can learn just from listening to educators talk. Not everyone might agree with everything, or you might have different experiences, et cetera, et cetera. But... The process of having conversations, having, uh, listening to us kind of work through our real world teaching, you know, we feel like is useful. That's why we're doing this. And then obviously we want to help people who are willing to ask questions and reach out and stuff. So we have our first listener question that's going to be addressed on the podcast. So let's see, I'm going to read it out loud kind of for this little intro and then we will jump into. Our world, And this is from Amanda. She contacted us on the Craft and Draft Facebook page, just like you can. And she says, I'm completely sold on reading and writing workshop after listening to your podcast. I'm in year six of teaching, and I am not currently creating readers and writers. I'm creating test takers. I need some advice. I have one partner, teacher in seventh grade, and we are supposed to have similar, if not the exact same lessons. My reading curriculum is... Collections by HMH, a basal reading with frequent quizzes, two whole class novel studies. We spent eight weeks on The Outsiders this year. She added in parentheses with a crying face. My partner reads aloud from a novel a few times a week, but I don't know how he fits it in. My language arts curriculum is Wordly Wise Vocabulary. IXL for grammar. Six traits of writing. Haven't really used this year. We got one PD on it. Then it was kind of forgotten. Five a day grammar, which is from Teachers Pay Teachers. And she says, our building sporadically recommends other resources like No Red Ink. But I already don't have time for everything I'm, quote unquote, supposed to do. Help! How can I show that this is not the way? I'm overwhelmed. My student's overwhelmed. And there is almost no authentic reading and writing happening. Mm. We're going to address all of this on the Craft and Draft podcast. So welcome to our show with Pam Ochoa, Jacob Chastain. We are two teachers in Texas classrooms doing exactly what we're talking about. We face some of these similar challenges. So we're going to attempt to break this down for Amanda and see if we can offer some advice or at least some points of reference to get her started on a path to help her and her students become better readers and writers. Alrighty Pam, here we go. All right. <laughs> it's a big order. So, So it is a big order. And you know what? As I was reading that out loud, I figured a nice way to kind of start would mm-hmm. be to talk about some background from us, because I feel like it's really easy to believe that like just the way we talk about workshop and where we're at today, and um, it's easy to kind of accept that we don't have similar restraints, right? Um, right? And I figured we would address that up front that our district has some of these things. So you you have a more intimate knowledge with a lot of it because you were an academic coach for so much longer than I was. Um, so I'm curious as to what would you say that we that are similar. Uh, quote-unquote, restrictions in our own curriculum. What what do you see echoed in what she said that we face in our district, too?
1: Well, I mean, we have we have a vocabulary program that we have to make sure we get done, or somebody checks and asks us about it periodically. Sometimes they just forget about it, and we're hoping for those days. <laughs> but, but technically, we're supposed to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, we're supposed to have, uh, I think, our reading. We're supposed to do guided reading. And we have a particular amount of hours that each child, depending on their ability to read, how many hours of close reading that we have. However, um, that's kind of, last year that was a lot of pressure and the year before that. But what's happened with, uh, with this COVID situation is we're not sure how to get that done on the computer. Um, I don't know if you face this, but I face what she's facing. I don't have one partner, but i have I have three others, but we're all expected at my school to have similar online lessons uh, and they check to make sure they're similar. If they don't, they ask us why they're not similar. so, and not everybody has the same philosophy that I do. Uh, but they're they're not bad teachers. That's not it. It's just a, it's just where they're at in their training. And they try, they try to do things. Anyway, those are some things that I see uh, that may be similar. We also do The Outsiders, which is a great book. Uh, but And we have, I think, two novels that we could be reading. So those are some things. I've had more restrictions in the past, and I've had less restrictions. It's, it's come and go in my 30 years.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, and that's – I felt like it was important to kind of – just kind of – say, Hey, you know, we, we might not have the same name by name programs mm-hmm. that we're in charge of, but they mm-hmm. exist where we're at. We are given training on all kinds of stuff. You know, one of the things that, you know, we, that gets pushed down the pipe was, uh, you know, we, we have what we call a uh, word within a word, which is kind of like the word program here mentioned wordly wise, a little bit different, but in the same genre, you know, mm-hmm. no red ink. That's something that's mentioned in our curriculum. Um, yeah, it's
1: it's written in our curriculum. That is true.
0: Yeah. So, like, there's stuff here. Like, looking at this, it, it's funny because it equally makes me kind of want to cry in in some instances. But it's also like, yeah, I get it. Like, this is this is the reality of people who like. It's easy to see how all of this, looking at all of this and she's, you know, this is probably light, right? There's probably even more stuff that, that she really didn't, you know, that she didn't mention. And that it's easy to see why someone would listen to us talk about authentic writing and talk about publishing and talk about the writing process and conferring and stuff like that and go, yeah, I literally can't even fathom how to fit stuff like that in within this Uh, restrictive environment of, you know, there's like five grammar things listed just on this. So It's like, (laughs) like for the love of all that is holy, right? When I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to go, okay, where do we even start? Where do we start in terms of not only addressing the obvious, such as, hey, you know, there, there are things that districts want People to do and not everyone is comfortable just ignoring stuff. And I don't think people should be, right? Like we should try to follow districts, we should try to follow curriculum. We should try to be with one another as much as possible for the sake of just good work environment and you know, obviously not losing your job and things like that. But um, there are also times where I think sometimes we rather than just kind of throwing a bunch of words out there, I'm gonna give an explanation. So in our district, for instance. They give us a lot of programs and they give us kind of a lot of go-tos for grammar, for word work, for all of this other stuff. We, our district, and I say this as someone who really does love our district, we have, uh, they do a poor job at telling us how to balance it all, right? They kind of just tell us it's all there. And then they do not clearly say, do this, do this, do this, do this, right? Because we don't have a scripted curriculum. And even if we did have a scripted curriculum, um, it wouldn't work out that way because there's just not enough time to do every single thing. But when you ask district, um, they always, at least in our district, they're very open about using things. To serve kids, not necessarily just using them to use them, but that might, that isn't communicated so well where we're at. Right. We know that because we you know, we have relationships with the people who run our district, like we have our huh. our ELA uh, coordinator is someone that we're both very familiar with. Like we can both go to her for almost anything and she would go, yeah, these programs exist, but we need to we need to serve the students like we need to look at why we're using these things. And I feel like that's a good place to start which is maybe for amanda to really think about okay so are they saying to use every single one of these every day or are these suggestions to use throughout the curriculum and not necessarily handcuffs around what she's doing would you i mean i feel like that's a fair first step for her to take what do you think
1: Well, yeah, because that's one of the questions that we ask when we start having to plan together, is is this suggested, or is it required? And we do have some that are required, like there's some readings that from our basal, you know, because that are required. It's really interesting because, like you said, we're we know our coordinator. I know my coordinator very well, like like you're talking about, and she would be if I would talk to her specifically. She would say, "Well, yeah, it's required." but use it in the best way, you know, like for the kids. But then at my school, it would be, no, it's required because that's what it says, it's required. So you have, you do have layers of people above you that expect different things. So I would definitely figure out what I have to do no matter what, okay? But then I would always consider the kids first. I think think what you just said was really good. And so you want to think about What is it that I can do to get the kids to do the work? The thing about workshop is workshop is exactly that. It's where the students learn to do the work of reading and writing. Okay. They learn to do the work. What our job is, is to take what we have and figure out how to present it in such a way where the kids are the ones doing the work and doing the finding. And maybe it's a little more canned um, on paper, but what we have to do in the classroom is make it a little more magical for the students so it becomes a little more authentic. So that's that's the bridge I think you gotta try to find when you and, are given all these mandates.
0: Well, and I also think that it helps to really think about the ground floor of what do we need to happen in an English classroom. And that's kids need mm-hmm. to read and write, right? Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. look at so to go back to her message, she specifically says, I am not currently creating readers and writers. I'm currently creating test takers. Now that is a great thing to realize, right? Like there's teachers that go decades or more, not realizing that's what they're doing or being comfortable mm-hmm. with what that's what they're doing. Like, they're like, yeah, this is just the way it is. But she's opened up and she realizes that there's more to what we're doing in the the literacy classroom than just Preparing kids for a test, and yes, look, we have we have to prepare kids for a test too. We're we're required to meet certain stuff in this pandemic, right? When like half of our kids mm-hmm. aren't even on campus, so like <laughs> no. the 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 restrictions are very real, and we feel them too. But I think where you and I are so confident, and where Amanda is, it sounds like she's on her way to being there is. We understand that there is a bigger picture, regardless of what district is pushing, right? I mean, you, you've you said it yourself. You've been clamped down on. You've had loose stuff, and mm-hmm. you've had mm-hmm. everything in between, and that that's just the cycle that it goes. But the thing that's never wavered for you, and I think the thing that's really never wavered for me once I kind of got to this level was... I believe in the process of letting kids explore their thoughts, emotions, feelings, and stuff in their own writing. I believe in letting kids find what they like in reading because that's going to let them read more. It's going to make them want to read outside of my classroom. And I think if we approach everything, even the restrictive stuff, with that in mind, we are going to make more positive decisions for kids than not. Restrictions and all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think basically what you're talking about, reading and writing, you really do have to focus on that. So I think the first thing you need to do is get authentic books in, into your kids' hands, no matter what. I mean, they might be doing. And what what I recommend is, and I've heard this said more than once, is a two to three book classroom. So like the outsiders would be my model text. We might do that together. I'm using that to teach them how to solve problems during their reading, yes. and how to make connections during their reading, and how to follow along in a in a um, nonlinear plot situation in their reading. so when i'm I'm doing that, but then I want them to go to the library and I want them to find a book maybe similar to, Um, The Outsiders, or similar to whatever it is. If it's a science fiction book, you know, I would use like my little science fiction stories in the, in the, uh, in the basal. And then, but they would have to go and find a book like, you know, that was be similar. And then they would find another book that they wanted to read just because they wanted to read it. So that was my three-book classroom, or is my three-book classroom. (laughs) Uh, I
0: want to, I want to really dive into that real quick because this, the three book classroom idea was something that that was one of our first, when we started working together, that was one of our early ideas where we were Mm -hmm. trying to help teachers who wanted to follow curriculum more closely, but we still wanted to push that workshop piece. And that three book classroom really is uh, something that is really powerful because it allows it allows freedom within restriction. You know, if you have, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, have outsiders. Do the novel study that your curriculum wants you to do. Go for it, right? But having those kids be able to read uh, independently, having that piece, and then pulling in a, maybe a little something extra, maybe a small article, maybe pulling in a passage from the outsiders to do some sentence combining, to look at craft, to do some of those things, right? But using the that in your mini lessons. Now, here's the thing, though. So Amanda might be already like, oh, my God. Now, so I have oh, to have this to have book and books. then I have – yeah, I got to have more books. So I think <laughs> – so here's here's my advice uh, for Amanda at this first stage, right? If mm-hmm. you're trying to incorporate this, you need to look at your room and go – what can I cut out? I think that is not cut out of the curriculum, but just cut out of how you are running your classroom. For instance, is there time being wasted when that bell rings or do kids start immediately what they need to do? Um, Is there time that, Kids could be reading, but they're doing some other activity. You know, you have to. When I started incorporating independent reading into my classroom, for instance, I was like, "Why am I doing bell ringers?" For the love of, like, like they weren't they weren't useful for me. I'm not bashing bell ringers, but for what I was trying to do, I was like, "Oh, my kids could come in and start reading." Now that's evolved over time, and I do something different now, but having kids come in read for that 10 to 15 minutes that's their independent reading time they can reflect on that transition into a mini lesson with the outsiders where you read whatever you need to read from the outsiders in your book study and then that can transition into kind of the independent piece i assume she has a block i didn't really know for sure but the the time management you know some of this might be stretched over Some of this might be stretched over, you know, more than a day, right? Like if you're teaching a 50 minute class and you need to work in a novel study, independent reading, um, some grammar work with, uh, the text that you're reading and then independent writing, all of that may not fit within 50 minutes, but it will fit in two days. If you, if you need to do that, would you say that? Yeah. Is that how you would do it? Would you stretch it out if she had shorter classes?
1: Well, I've had shorter classes and that's what you'd have to do. What I would do is I would I would have like a reading workshop on Monday, writing workshop on Tuesday, reading. And so then I would focus and I would kind of alternate. Some people do um, maybe that one week, they do three days of the reading and two days of the writing. And then the next week they do three days of the writing and two days of the reading, or you do two and two. And then on that, on that Friday, or Monday, it, it's whatever your choice of the day is, then they can just read and write and work on the pieces that they need to. So I, I've tried all of those things.
0: Yeah. And here's, and so when, when we suggest, you know, for Amanda to kind of look at her class and find out, find the excess, find the fat and, and get rid of it. Like there's, we all have stuff that we can kind of cut down and stuff that we tolerate and there's ways to streamline every part of a curriculum to make sure that you hit it all. But I think the the next phase of this, so first thinking of it kind of as a three book classroom and, and making sure that you have this, this here, but you need to be encouraging them. You don't want to kill their love of reading with the outsiders. You want to, uh, you know, because not every kid's going to love a class novel. That's the main drawback is not every single kid is going to love the book that everyone's reading. So having them have that independent reading time um, i think is is fundamentally it's essential for building readers but you need to have a theme right so if we're going to take this this three class or three book classroom Looking at everything through the lens of how does it all connect, I think, is a great way because right now the curriculum looks extremely disjointed. And ours is the same, right? Everything is kind of – it's like it's sporadic. There's pieces here. There's pieces there. Oh, we have to do vocabulary work now. We have to go read now. We have to go write now. But none of it connects. I think the next step is for her to also – If she wants to look at her, yeah, figure out how, how does the, what, what wordly wise is doing, right? Figure out how can you connect what that is having her do into her outsider's work.
1: Right. And that's where you and I talked about that relish that one time. I can take one word and make a whole entire (laughs) unit out of it. But you find, let's say we are doing the outsiders. And, you know, I know that poem, Nothing Gold Can Stay. So you can just look at gold. Well, now you can go find what words would be the same or similar. So the kids could go on a word search from those vocabulary words that they have to do what vocabulary words would be similar to this I mean you could you could definitely figure out how to thematically put these things together so they do connect Um, I would almost put those words up on my board uh, and just have a word wall with them and then just kind of keep those up and I'm I mean I might not do some of the worksheets that go with it if I don't have to But I might incorporate those words. So that way I'm still using the words that the district or curriculum wants me to use. But anyway, that's something I might think about on the words. But yeah, I think a theme definitely come together with the theme.
0: Well, and here's uh, here's my honest take with a lot of this is, you know, right now we're spending time kind of talking about a framework to fit everything in. And I think our general answer is there's no way you can do it all in a day, so stop trying. Figure out how you can fit it into your week plan. If you really are being held to such a standard to where everything needs to happen and they're coming and looking and you have to have all of these pieces, (laughs) um, God forbid, don't lose your job over something. But figure out how you can fit it in within that week and work with – your team to come up with creative ways for your how it can work in your classroom, and and I think the more authentic you can make it, um, is is how you're going to win. Because that, like, here's the thing: like looking at these. Uh, Programs, for instance, wordly wise their their uh, their slogan is more activities and more engagement to reach more students. Like we don't need more activities for vocabulary and grammar. We don't. And
1: no, we need need connected
0: activities. Yes,
1: without the fat.
0: And there's ways to do that within the confines. But here's the thing, though. I think if you are really gonna push workshop, there's going to be things within these programs that don't fit. Like handing kids activity worksheets for vocabulary that has nothing to do with what they're reading is probably, one, it's not going to do anything for your kids. It might look good to the district because they bought Mm -hmm. this program and they have all of this, but it's really not going to serve kids in the way. But you can do what those programs want you to do, but you can use them in Context with what they're reading, with what they're interacting with, and I think that is how you bridge slowly begin bridging the gap between this is what district wants me to do, I want this to be more authentic practice, and it doesn't need to be you know no one no one on earth needs twenty minutes of vocabulary practice, right a minute or two where you stop and really think about this word using that word in their writing if you want to pull some mm-hmm. of that in and i that just thinking about it that way. Switching from I have to do this to okay, how can I mesh this in with the more authentic pieces of my classroom? I think once you start making that shift, you start finding better answers for your kids. That way, you're not just killing the love of reading and writing, and you are, but at the same time, you're not being such a rebel that you feel like you're breaking every rule. And I feel like that's your, that's your strong point, Ochoa. Like if we, if we had to just label ourselves, I'm definitely the more rebellious one and you're the more, I'm more like I do my job. Well, you're, 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 you're compliant, but you're compliant in a way to where you find, you're like, yes, I'll do that. But you find ways to, to, to put it all in. So I want to pick your brain just for a second of how, do you think about when you're, because you're a workshop teacher through and through, but you still do pretty much, I mean, everything that the district wants you to do. So how how do you think about it? Like, don't tell me how the pieces work necessarily, but how do how does your process go in terms of, okay, I need to get this done, but I need the workshop to happen. How do you marry the two?
1: I start with writing. I start with what type of writing do I, well, first of all, I'll look and see what I'm required to do writing wise and then i'll go okay i know that they want us to do a descriptive piece and they want us to do a persuasive piece and they want us to do a story and why they throw a story in the middle of it i don't know but all of a sudden i find myself this is what they require so then i then what i do is i go well okay but i want the kids to write So what I need to do is get them to do pre-writing first, which that fits right in with that six traits. She mentioned six traits in her thing. And part of the writing process is allowing the kids to be able to write authentically, right? And to come up with ideas. So first thing I do is I create pre-writing strategies that will help the kids naturally do the writing I need them to do. So that's what I do. Um, and then if there's room for them to work on something they want to work on, then I, I allow that as well. But so I might find a word. We mentioned the gold thing. Um, I might put the word up the, on the board one day. I walk in, the word gold is up there. I'll say, okay, right, whatever comes to your mind. I mentioned to you earlier, there's a thing about space that we have to do. According to our curriculum, I might write up the word space. And then let the kids just write. Uh, I might give them a sentence. I might pull a sentence out of a a poem or out of um, whatever book we're having to do. Uh, She mentioned the Outsiders, so maybe one of the, a sentence from there. And then let them finish that and so I do things if I if I need them if if they're supposed to do description then I may put in a lot of things describe your room describe your you know list all the things you can describe pick one and describe it you know I might so I will I will cater or tailor my writing pre-writing stuff to kind of fit so that by the time we do that for like the first three or four days and they just write, and they write, and they write, and they write on different types of topics, different types of things. But what ends up happening, they also write about, like, it, Like we're, we're going to have to do an argumentative essay. That's one thing that's required. So I start asking them to write about things that they care about, things that they have opinion about. So they just kind of write. And then I say, okay, now go in through all your stuff that you've already written. They've already written, like, five or six pieces already. And and they can write a lot in just two or three minutes. So when I say they're writing a lot, they're writing in two, three, 10 minute burst. We're not talking about an all-day experience. But what I will do is then have them um, pick one of those pieces that they want to take to publishing or to test grade, but it's their pieces. I didn't, I didn't say give them a prompt and say write about, I didn't give them like write about your best day ever. Like I, I didn't tailor, I just put up a word and said write about whatever comes to your mind you know, those kinds of things. And so then I say out of all the pieces, pick one. And then that's the one and they'll spend like, I might pick a whole day and they spend that whole day working on that piece.
0: Uh, And I would also have her like, keep in mind as she's listening to that, it might sound like a lot, but this can be stretched out over a significant period of time, right? Like you, unless there's deadlines for specific pieces, like for us, you know, we really have technically in our, Our curriculum, it's really one or two pieces per six weeks almost, right? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty loose. I mean, if kids are writing every day, that's a lot of time. Um, And it's it's not really stressful. And here's the thing, like you're, I mean, I don't know what her restrictions are for her grade book and stuff like that. But so I did, we talked about my big multi-genre project that I did recently. Um, I had kids not finish for this six weeks, and it's the end of the semester, and it's like, oh no! And you know, teachers everywhere freak out. And like, you have to get it done. I have to put a grade in. But I was like, why? Like, I can grade. Uh, I can grade their process. Like, it wasn't like they weren't working. They had stuff. It just wasn't mm-hmm. done. So here's what I did. I just, I talked to the student. We talked about their work in their conference. I was like, okay. Well, so what do you think? what grade do you think you really should get from this? And we had an honest conversation and a lot of them were like, you know, I think this is a solid B, you know, I worked the whole time. I just couldn't finish because of this, this, and this. I was like, cool. I was like, so we'll put that in and you'll continue it when we get back from break or you'll work on it over break. And like, right. Unless someone is literally watching every step you have, there's no reason to stress out about hitting every single thing. Things will happen. I'm not saying ignore anything, if you can't, mm-hmm. but I'm saying you're the, why this over desire, uh, by rule followers, which teachers mostly are to hit everything in a day, um, is I think it's, 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 it's unhealthy and you're just going to fail. Like there's no way, like the overwhelm right. she's feeling and that she describes for her and her kids, it's, it's the reason you're overwhelmed is because it's impossible. So what you need to do is look at your time look at your schedule, look at, honestly, look at what you can actually extend, what you can kind of push, what you can alter to fit the workshop model without getting rid of it, like Ochoa was talking about, and then just go and, and let it happen and, and let the stress kind of fade away a little bit. Because I mean, who's watching? Like, I mean, unless you're literally been you, that might be the case, I guess. Well, but. And
1: yeah. and I mean, some people do get watched. I mean, that is a true thing, but, but that's why you want to incorporate a few of those things in there. Yeah. That way you can say, well, I've done it, but you know, this is how it's working. I, I also wanted to add something, um, with that is I don't start the grammar process really until they, they write that first long piece once they make that decision.
0: Yeah, I'm I mean, even that. if even if she was being forced to do, you know, one of her grammar things, right? Let's say it okay. had to happen, but her kids have been writing. Sweet. All right, we're going to spend five minutes today doing no red ink. They do that. Okay, so the lessons you learned in there, go back and look at your writing. Did That's you hard. notice any of the errors that that program talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So even that switch, it becomes now you're making this mandate more authentic because you're connecting their practice to what they've already written. And I think there's, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like mm-hmm. using your restrictions to fuel the authentic pieces that you're, that you are wanting to do. I think, I think that's the smartest way to go. Um, if you are trying to touch on a saint. and I feel like that's what you do, right? Like you would, <laughs> you'd be like, okay, here's, Here's this process. All right, now let's go look at the our authentic stuff. So, you're, our authentic stuff. So you're constantly making, mm-hmm. you're, you're constantly bridging the two. You're taking mandates. You're taking authenticity, and you're going, okay, how do I bridge these today?
1: Right, and you know, and like I said, I would put if if it if you have a long period, right? Like we do, we have a block class. So that that writing, I may start with that, but then. Right after that, let's say we're talking about gold, then I might read that poem. Nothing gold can stay, and then I might, you know, and so I might do some things with my, my reading that help the students connect, and then I would give them reading time. Sometimes I might start with ri- uh, reading and start with reading, and then I will end with a connection to the reading through their writing. So I do things like that. So I, it's really... It kind of works. It starts. It starts uh, walking itself through the, you know, like writes itself, so to speak. Once we get started, but I have to start with the students writing first, or mm. picking something that they've read, and then I and then everything I'm required to do that becomes my mini lesson material.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that was what I was thinking too. Is that anything required becomes mini lesson. And then the authentic Mm -hmm. practice is the workshop. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Kelly Gallagher talks about how I think it's at the beginning of 180 days, actually. So it might be Penny or Kelly, but they they reference how, you know, they're under the restrictions, too. Right. One of the two biggest names in kind of workshop teaching and secondary, you know, they have these restrictions as well. And they it's a matter of what are you willing to to negotiate and what are you not willing to negotiate and i think as a teacher you know for her it sounds like she really wants to create authentic readers and writers she wants to move away from just building test takers i think that's a great step so sit down and go what does it take what do real readers and writers do the first two easy answers they read and write right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you start with those two things and you go okay so look at your classroom now And you think, how often are my kids reading for their own purposes and how often are they writing for their own purposes? Not what you're telling them to read, not what you're telling them to write, but when you are – when they're doing those things. And if that answer needs to be as big as possible – Okay. I don't think for instance, my kids, we, we don't, um, I haven't done a class novel in three years. Um, I quote myself often and saying, I don't prompt kids anymore. I, I try to inspire their writing in different ways. Um, that is, you un- really get at that. Well, it's also unrealistic to say that any, that people could get away with it. And also that people would be comfortable just jumping to that. Like that was a process for me as well. Mm-hmm. So, but the way I started, Is I started on the reading side. I know you started from the writing side, but for reading for me, I went, okay, where can I get reading in and how much can I get in? And my answer was 15 minutes. Now that's grown, but then it also went to writing. When my kids started writing and I started moving to that side, I was like, okay, how long can I actually push? You know, how long can I give them to write for authentic purposes? Not just writing to a prompt, not just writing in a workbook or anything like that, but actually let them write. And as I started pushing those, the the lines got wider because what happens is you realize that there, there is time. There is time. It's just a matter of what you're willing to sacrifice. And I feel like sometimes we're too willing to sacrifice that authentic practice because of pressure from curriculum. But once you start opening that process, you'll start finding more clever ways of incorporating the curriculum into that more important part of kids authentically reading and writing.
1: Yeah, and I think also you you made a comment about I could only do 15 minutes. If all you can do is 10, that's fine. You can get a lot done in 10 minutes. You can get a lot done in five minutes. Um, sometimes my writing, the kids will say, well, how long do I need to write? And I'll say, you write until I say stop. That's what I tell them. You write till I say stop. And I sometimes that's two minutes Sometimes, sometimes I tell them ahead of time, "You're only going to have two minutes," and they'll go, "That's not enough." But if I don't do that, if I just say, "You write till I say stop," and then try to fill the page, and then two minutes happens, and they're like three fourths of a page through, and I'm like, "That was two minutes. Maybe y'all can do a few more." Oh my god, Miss Ochoa, did you see how much I wrote? So I kind of try to build their their tenacity, I guess. But, but that I do it kind of intentional. I mean. They don't see the intention. They don't know. All of a sudden, they're riding this whole amount. Next thing you know, it's just like it's just like a runner who's running in track. You don't start them off. If they're a mile runner, you don't say, run your mile as fast as you can. No, you, you, you practice at different parts of the race. And so that's kind of what I, I do with the kids. But they have to have time. They have to have time to read, and they have to have time to write, and they have to have ownership. And that's all Nancy Atwell. And those are my three go-to's. And they need feedback. I guess there's four. So you've got to be able to give them those four things.
0: And so, to me,
1: that's probably my um, my
0: framework. So with kind of the remainder time of this, you know, I think we did a good job of kind of breaking down just how we would approach it with the amount of information we had. But I want to address for however long it takes for us to kind of talk about the the next part in her post, which is she wants to... Show that this is not the way. Okay. That, that to me, is my bread and butter. Um, that, I mean, it is, that's a rebel spirit, and I love it. And it's, it's the idea that, you know, it's when you hear something that is so obvious. It's when I read The Book Whisper, and I was like, this is so stupidly obvious that I should be letting kids read, that it, it transformed how I thought. And I was like, okay. Now, I got to get other people on board because we don't do this. And th- I went through that process. So I, w- I want to kind of break this down from both of our perspectives, mine, my little bit more renegade style, and yours, not so renegade, and see, um, give her some tools to help um, revolutionize or even not even revolutionize, push her school, her district in the proper direction. And I'll tell you where, um, you know, we kind of started is or at least where I started was, you know, I found the right stuff that I wanted to kind of connect to, but I picked one thing to start out with. I didn't try to do it all at once. I didn't try to upheaval everything that was going on. You know, I said, I started with independent reading that was new to me. So I picked that and I became, I said, I'm not going to waver on this. And I had academic coaches come into my room and they're like, well, why kids are reading? I had principals and district people come into my room and go, why kids are reading? And at first I didn't have the answer because I didn't spend time uh, with the research. I just read, you know, Donald Miller and she, she cites some research, but it's not a research heavy book. You know, I couldn't quote the studies that have been shown and stuff like this. So, you know, in terms of trying to move a campus, one- figure out what you can do in your own world and go, okay, I can wedge this in there. They're not going to yell at me. You know, they might ask a question, but I can wedge this in there, whether I be reading or writing and then do the research, show them, be open, be like, you know, if they ask uh, why you're doing something, go up to them and be like, oh, well, this is why. And even better, if you're comfortable with your admin, Go, hey, can we talk for a minute? Or your appraiser, whoever you whoever you want to talk to, and go, hey, you know, I've been doing some research on my own. I've been doing, you know, my own kind of PD studies, and you know, I really read the research done by Don Graves and Lucy Calkins, and here's why I think I should be doing this in my classroom. I wanted your thoughts on it, and if you have a good admin, they would be stupid to not entertain your uh, your your thoughts. To have a teacher jump up and say, hey, not only have I been doing research, but I have some questions I want to ask you about this. Will you join me in this process and help me implement some of this stuff? I, I think I just find it so hard to believe that there are at, the, I think the majority of admin would be down for that. Because especially if you ask them to be a part of the journey, right? If you go, hey, I I, I really love this. Will you join me and and help me implement this. Maybe come watch my classroom and see, you know, how well this could work or where it could work. I think if you create that partnership, you are gonna it is such a healthy environment to build if that if you feel like that relationship's there.
1: Well, and I think I think along with that in your classroom, you do have to start in your classroom. I mean that there's no other way about it. You have to start there. But if you you can't preach it if you're
0: not doing it, I think.
1: Right. But you have to, but if you have like pre results and post results. So if you take like a few weeks, this is what we're doing. And then the post results, this is what we're doing. And uh, if you could take some of that and document what you have changed. One of the things that I did when I first started. the very first time, is I actually kept a, a dialectical notebook, a notebook with both sides, you know, a line in the middle of it. So what I did is I, it was an anecdotal notes, okay? So I said, this is how I started. I, and I still have that book, and I did, it started in 1993. <laughs> wow. But anyway, the very first thing I did was a trigger word activity, and it was the very first day, and I decided to jump into it. So on the left side, I wrote what I did, Uh, whatever I was doing that was new okay and on the right side I wrote what happened so like I watched so that was my writing so in front of the kids what I was doing was writing down what I was seeing so if I said write about trigger words then I would write over here oh they're all writing oh they seem to be intent oh we were able to go longer than I thought okay or I read this book it was an epic fail. <laughs> the kids were, you know, so you just write down and you keep a dialectical notebook. Anecdotal research is what that would be. And so you, you do act, and I think I was telling you this earlier, that uh, active research in your own classroom is one of the best ways to convince others uh, that what you're doing is working to me. And then the test results, because here's here's the other thing. You really have to trust the reading and you have to trust the writing. The only way a student's going to get better at writing is to write. The only way they're going to get better at reading is to read. And you've got to let them do that. And I promise you, the test results will show in the long run that they've made progress. Now, I do think you have to have targeted and strategic work as well. I'm not against that, where you see a student that's struggling behind everybody else. you got to really strategically figure out what that is, and that is hard to do. But I think you do the best that you can. But to me, that would be something that I would do is start there. And I like your idea of getting everybody on board with you. Hey, I'm going to do this. Can you write your anecdotal notes and let me know what you see? Because Mm, I'm trying to become a better teacher. Mm -hmm. And the minute you become that reflective practitioner— that's the minute that, um, which it sounds like Amanda already is doing that. Uh, but that would be the approach I would take and a very humble approach because I'm more like that.
0: Well, and I think, (laughs) I mean, even on my rebellious side, like I think starting with, and this shows my maturity as a, as an educator, by the way, like even just in the two years that (laughs) since we worked together, like my, I wouldn't have done this originally. I would have just done it and closed my door and then talked about it later. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's my original approach if people are really curious. Mm-hmm. But the, I the, I think this idea of approaching it from a, a learner perspective, saying, hey, you know, this research has been around a long time. You know, reference Don Graves and Lucy Calkins and Nancy mm-hmm. Atwell and Penny Kittle and Kelly Gallagher. Um, ask, maybe start with a book study. Go to your partner and go, hey. Oh. Hey, why don't we, let's read 180 days over the course of the next two, six weeks together. And let's take notes on it. Invite your uh, appraiser in, your academic coach, whatever you have, and do a little book study with your team and approach it from a sense of you are wanting to grow. Not that you're trying to buck the system and that you hate programs and that you just want to be t- test takers, but make that authentic uh, action. And man, I, like I said, I just don't see even talking about it. I'm like, I would kill for my team to do that. Like when I, I love it when, um, an English teacher comes up to me and says, you know, I want to, I want to be better at workshop. I want my kids to write more. I'm like, yes, let's go. Let's you talk mine. about the process because that's, that's such a huge step. But Bringing admin into that, I think it can really be powerful. And it'll honestly set you, you know, Amanda. I think it'll set her up to be um a leader on this issue. You know, if mm-hmm. if she's if this is something that she's passionate about, I mean she's listening to Craft and Draft and getting fired up, then she's a she's a literacy nerd like us. So go for it. Like be the leader uh that your team needs, but do it from an inclusionary standpoint. I think uh, that's the first place to go. Now, I will be honest, you know, if they're not on board and if they're resistant and they're like, no, we don't want you to do this, then, you know, my other point of advice, and show it, she she shies away from stuff like this, but it's close your door and do what you know is right and then find a better school to teach at next year. Because you don't, <laughs> like, you don't, I know that's that's that easy to say like because- it. Well, it's easy to say because it's like, oh, you know, you can just find another job. But here's the thing, like you kick butt at what you do and people will stop point pinpointing everything you're not doing. And the way you kick butt at what you want to do is learn your craft, learn the research, implement it with fidelity and work your butt off. Like to get independent reading and authentic writing and to get all the stuff, to get my workshop the way that I have it today, I had to work... Three times as hard as other people because I was doing something different and when you're doing something different you have to Put in the work to make it work and learn it because you don't have anyone else to pull from. Like listening to us talk isn't like you're still not seeing it. You're not experiencing it. You have different kids. You have different circumstances. So it only helps so much. You have to implement something and then be willing to change and alter. But And the research will keep you focused. We've talked about that. When our workshop gets hard and, you know, when grades drop. Yeah. I mean, and when like a test bombs or something like that, we go, we don't throw out workshop and start going the other way. We go, okay, no. What did we not do within this research that has already been proven time and time again? The research isn't wrong. Our implementation of it, uh, was misguided possibly for whatever reason. So, yeah, no,
1: that's true. Um, and, and another thing, too, is just want to say, whatever you try, you know, Amanda, don't get discouraged. And if you feel overwhelmed by everything we've talked about, just pick one thing you want to work on. If you'll just pick that one thing for that one week and see how it goes, don't look at all of it. Just look at that one thing and then build on the next thing. Because I know, Jacob, you and I talked about that. You did that uh, work on that one thing. I told you I'll work yeah. on the writing. You started on the reading. And then when we, you know, we talked, it took me a while. Um, it wasn't not overnight, but I did, I did kind of get a plan and it was based on those principles. I talked about the writing and then reading connections and, and doing all of that, that was helpful. So I worked on connections, I think at the beginning.
0: I mean, even, uh, thinking about my process, like, so mid year two, it was Christmas break of my second year of teaching when I got handed Donald Miller and Kelly Gallagher. I came back, started independent reading for 15 minutes a day. I was still doing class novels. I was still doing the required vocabulary work every single day. I was still doing I was still doing worksheets at the time, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was and I was only teaching reading. We I was we were divided at the time. So I didn't even have reading and writing. It was just the reading side. So I was still managing all the other stuff, but my kids were reading a lot because they're reading the worksheet. They're reading the class novel and they're reading their independence. (laughs) Um, We didn't grow too much that year because it was, it wasn't implemented as well. But then the next year, I started cutting out more of the, the filler. I started cutting out more of the worksheets because I found more authentic ways to use what we were reading. I was still doing class novels. And then the next year after that, it, we combined. So I had reading and writing. So I started that process. And then once, you know, year after year, I mean, I even did class novels when, I was, when, uh, when we were at that campus together. And I was mm-hmm. the literacy coach. And I had my little group. I did uh, novel studies with them we did a whole class novel and I did literature circles with that group because it was just something that I wanted to put into action for them. Cause a lot of them just didn't have the experiences with, with books. So we took that more targeted approach. So none of this is wrong. Like doing the outsiders, I mean, spending eight weeks or however long an outsider is a little long for a book that's like 120 pages, but there are, there's None of it is bad. What becomes bad is when we take something like The Outsiders and we kill it because it's a great book. Um,
1: well, the I'm sorry, but we no, kill it by we kill it by telling the kids how to think about it. See, one of the things that we what where I would do like on that worksheet, okay, I might look at those questions. Okay, what are the question? You know, the comprehension questions at the back of the book. You know, I might look at those comprehension questions and go, "Well, that's a good one." Nope, not doing that one. Nope, not doing that one. And then I'm very picky about the ones I choose, and I and then I choose the ones that are going to be more open for the students, so the students do the thinking. And I think that's the key. Even if you're doing a long term, and, and I taught Great Expectations. I taught. I mean, I've taught some pretty long books and and that's how it used to be done. I mean, it was always done that way. And sometimes I kind of miss the long novel, to be honest, because that's where I did a lot of teaching out of it. But I used it as my mini lessons. I used it. We did a little bit about that, but then they got into their work with their own books and stuff. But we have to we have to get the students to do the thinking. That's to me is key.
0: Yes, and I so, Two things um, I want to say real quick. One, the, the research that you were talking about, kind of like the action anecdotal research or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if Amanda has not done it already, go to Teach Me Teacher. Look at episodes 115 and 116. This is brain science to make your message stick with a neuroscientist from Australia named Jared Horvath I remember, that I had on the podcast.
1: I remember that.
0: And it is such a good episode. And he talks about how you know, one of the problems in education is we talk about, you know, data, 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 but he brings up that your data depends on what you're doing, right? A sociologist, what they use as data is different than what a biologist uses as data. And the same thing for teachers, right? A math teacher might look at different data and see things as more useful data than an English teacher. Like for me, for instance, like when I walk into a room, like we did walks just recently with district and we walked into a room and teachers always, they always feel so self-conscious when their kids are reading, right? Cause they think people want to see. And I told all my teachers, I was like, if we walk in and your kids are reading, Let it happen. Like I want to see your kids reading. And the reason is because I can tell so much about the relationships your kids have with authentic reading by watching them read for 15 minutes. I can tell you almost everything. I can tell you this kid isn't engaged, that they're just kind of reading. I can we can tell like you can get a sense of what it is, right? And the same thing with writing. Um That is good data, though. You being able to stop and pause. If you're doing independent reading and you want to jot down some notes about your readers, look at them. Just watch them a minute. Jot down how many kids are really engaged. How often are they turning pages too fast? Are they staying on the page? Are they uh, looking at their technology too often? Are they changing books too often? All of that tells you information, and that is information that you can bring back To admin, if you're working with your admin or even with your team member and be like, man, you know, like at the beginning, like my kids really weren't reading, but it's been two weeks and they were all engaged today. There was like one kid just kind of staring off. But hey, that's pretty good, right? I mean, if you're making that progress and the reason that's good is because if kids are reading and they're getting that practice in, the test is going to be... Sorry. The test is going to be something that kids tackle better. We all know the kids that are going to make A's on the test are the kids who read the most, right? So why do we ignore that when we're trying to get kids to practice? Now, if you have struggling readers, like you said, they need targeted instruction. Independent reading alone is not going to bring the most struggling readers up. Um, right. But that's that that can fit into workshop as well. Now, the second thing I wanted to hit on was something I forgot, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I said I had two things, but i got I got lost on the research, so I don't know what the second thing was, but I don't know do All we have do we have closing anecdotal with notes. yeah yeah I mean that that was connected to the research it was just the mm-hmm. um it was just that I don't remember, but in any case so what what are some final thoughts that we can offer Amanda here on her path to not only helping her own class but guiding her uh to helping her team what do we got? I just would kind of stop giving them (laughs) worksheets.
1: I can't stand
0: worksheets. (laughs) Oh, and the programs that she listens to is definitely some worksheets. It's not. It's not a lot of teachers' I did
1: look, and there are. Now, on the the six traits, all that really is is the writing process. And I think all she's got to do is start letting the kids write every day and read every day. And I mm-hmm. think you're going to hit the six traits. And I would definitely let them know these are the six traits because they're going to learn their voice. They're going to learn uh, how to organize, you know, those kinds of things. And they're only going to do it if they write. Uh, I would I would also say, try not to be so overwhelmed. And like you said, get rid of the, the fat, the extra stuff, like the worksheets, as far as that's what I would think. Mm-hmm. And then retailer those to fit a authentic approach, and keep your kids and their thinking first.
0: Amanda, hopefully this was useful for you. If you have follow up questions, feel free to reach back out to us. Thank you for allowing us to kind of dive yes. into your world and and see something. And and really, I mean, this is stuff that we kind of nerd out about, and I'm sure we'll be having conversations about this because this is stuff that you know we. Had to work through, and there's so many unknowns, and there's so many different requirements that teachers are required to do. But your plight is something that we've experienced, and I know other teachers are experiencing it. So, if anyone would like to address, if they have a problem in reading or writing, or they want us to address something, we don't have to mention anyone by name if you want to be anonymous, if you're scared of putting stuff out there. But feel free to reach out to us. We want to do more episodes like this where we dive in and help you guys. It would it would be great to do basically turn craft and draft into a QA. I mean, where else are you gonna get people just talking for an hour about your specific problem? So <laughs> I
1: mean, that's uh, that's take
0: true. it take us up on the offer. You can reach out at craftandraft podcast.com oh dot com I apologize. And then there is there'll be a contact page but you can also reach out on the Facebook page as well which is what Amanda and some other people have done. So do that. Like us over there. Review the podcast. If you like to hit that five-star button, drop some kind words, but otherwise share this with someone who may need it. You might be like, Hey, these people are dealing with the same problems. They're different programs, but it's the same thing. If you were like, yes, we need this. Share it with your colleagues. Hopefully you are starting your new year off. Right. We are going into 2021 and craft and draft is going to be here with you the whole time. So Know that we are here for you.